0: Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new film Thoroughbreds. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at FilmTankShow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank show And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, FilmTankShow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, everybody, and welcome into episode 146 of Film Tank. Alex Diekman here, along with Tucson Egan and Nick Cheney. I'm a horse. I I I got that. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's
1: up? You don't have a horse? Hey, what's up? Okay. Hey is for horses. Sure. <sighs> <laughs>
0: To another just enthralling start here. Oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go right into it, talking about the new film Thoroughbreds. <laughs> got is plenty. that your rating? Every time someone says the title. You've got plenty of more time on that one. Uh, so this is the first uh, film, so the directorial debut of Corey Finley. Um, who has written a couple smaller independent things, but has never directed anything before?
1: Corey Finley, isn't that the kid from Boy Meets World? No, I'm being totally serious right now. I thought that was him. no. Yeah. What? Corey Finley.
2: No. Corey Matthews is oh! the character
1: oh! name. Okay. So. All right.
2: No, he's you,
0: the kid from. Just. Yeah. Boy Meets World. Just, that's fine. Are you thinking of Corey Feldman? I think so, yeah. As like a oh person? That's, yeah, maybe. That's not... That's.
2: I mean, if you're thinking of that, that's, no, it's not the same person okay. at all. Thanks.
0: Totally missed the you're mark. You're welcome. Yeah. That's okay. So Thoroughbreds, uh, really the lid lifter for Corey Finley in his film career, centers around two upper-class teenage girls in suburban Connecticut as they rekindle their unlikely friendship after years of growing apart. Together... They hatch a plan to solve both of their problems, no matter what the cost.
1: I don't think that that's not accurate think... at all. Yeah. One of them has a problem, and the other one is helping like them solve it. neither
0: of them have a problem.
1: The worst part is, is this was directly from Focus Features. Well, here's the thing.
2: Yeah. even the I'm not talking about the movie yet, but <laughs> even the trailers seem to suggest that this was some kind of codependent relationship mm-hmm. in which the movie does not support whatsoever yeah no. i'm not saying it can't be a friendship but uh, it's in no way this
0: mutual sense of uh togetherness no um and we'll get there mm-hmm. so the film stars anya taylor joy uh as she's recently been in the witch and also split and the film that will not be coming out this year new mutants as that got pushed oh. back yeah. Uh so and then you have Olivia Cook as the other main character who's probably best known for me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Yep, I would say. Mm-hmm. And she's been in a couple other smaller things uh along the way. Uh and also Paul Sparks here as the hey. father in law. His name is Mark. <clears throat> Mark. Pa- Paul Sparks probably best known for Boardwalk Empire, House of Cards, The and... Girlfriend
2: Experience. I was say, Season one. It's an
0: anthology show. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. I was gonna local. say I know Nick knows him from somewhere. Yeah, so, that's yeah. Right. And we have the final performance, unfortunately. Of I <laughs> like how Yelchin. you giggled. And the f- <laughs> fight performance. No. Well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool, calm down. Wow. I, I can only work with so much. <laughs> you remind me of the fucking Joker from Batman when he gets operated on. Mirror. Night, night,
2: buddy. Yeah.
0: Wow, uh, I'm only giggling because <laughs> I feel like this, this is... is kind of a whimper to go out on for you Well, it was a movie
2: that was shelved too. for long... Like It seemed like it only got released because he died. You know, well, eh. uh, because he died, and because the other two started to find other roles. Mm-hmm. But uh, this movie has to have been. Sitting around
0: for at least two years. I was gonna say at least three. Yeah. yeah, it was shot in early 2016. Anna so. Taylor really? Joyce, oh. the Girl oh, from still, the bitch. It's,
2: it's a long and, time in Hollywoodland. And yeah. Olivia it, for it to actually get a release. It's one thing for it to sit around and then just like go direct to DVD. But this is being you know marketed and it's actually going
0: to a lot of the not nationwide, mm. but I was surprised how quickly it came around by yeah. us.
1: So yeah. and Olivia Cook's going to be the uh, female protagonist of uh, Ready
0: Player One. Yeah,
1: Ready yeah. Player One. I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, it's a Spielberg film.
2: More like Ready Player Fun.
1: Get out of my face.
0: <laughs> so, uh, I guess I'll start because I was the one who was probably leading the charge. Yeah. For us to see this, uh, I was I was a fan of um, the trailer and of kind of the setting that this film was going to drop us off in as an audience. So I was uh, very interested to see what this was going to end up being. And I will say that I thought that this was good. Just good. Yep. Uh, I feel like this film had a lot more potential than it ended up showing in the final hour and 30 minutes that's fair um the first 30 35 minutes of this film i thought was absolutely fantastic Uh, i loved the flow between both the characters the dialogue i thought actually the cinematography was really well done early in the film um I, i don't think this film ever reached a point High, as high as the opening scene which is a real unfortunate place for a film to be because you don't want your opening monologue basically to uh be the entire film. You want it to set the tone but you don't want it to be now you're talking the about peak. the peak initial meeting
2: between yep. the two. Okay. Uh
0: I love the camera work and uh the storytelling that happened in the I don't remember if there are credits or not but the opening scene that is completely uh, without dialogue before Lily, who's played by Anya Taylor-Joy, shows up and we have uh, Olivia Cooke's character walking through the house and basically seeing all these different things and telling the audience a story in a way uh, and not doing it with silly dialogue that somebody like Christopher Nolan would do. So, I love that. I love their opening meeting, uh, and I thought that early on, the film had a lot of fantastic dialogue, and also um, really good chemistry between both the characters, especially with one of them basically playing a sociopath. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, I was loving that, and I, for the most part, liked the entire film, but I feel like this lost steam as it went on, and then I was... A little confused where we ended with this film. hmm So. Same. Yeah. I I liked it, and I will say that I was a fan of the two lead performances. <laughs> Paul Sparks didn't have much to do here, which was really disappointing. He's fine.
2: Yeah. Um He's good at what he is in. hmm because I'm very much here for Paul Sp-
0: uh, Sparks playing an asshole cuz I think he's really good at it. But see that's the problem. Is he are, is he really an asshole though? I mean, I know he kind of is, but is he like a like true asshole that deserves to be murdered?
1: That's the question of well, the film. Well, I don't
0: see
2: here's the, the other thing though. Mm-hmm. I don't believe this movie has any firm grasp on any conversation of morality when it comes to (laughs) when it comes to
1: start out the gate
2: well i'm just saying when it comes to the driving motivation of its characters Mm -hmm. um which is why i feel like this movie is almost dreamlike in the way it wasn't intended like clearly it wanted to be a slightly if not surreal uh but fugue state of mind movie where its characters are propelled not by a sense of uh action but a state of ennui and other you know what
1: i can't help but like interpret that as sort of a backhanded compliment on on behalf of the film It just like it was it was almost dreamlike in the way that it just didn't make any fucking sense yeah kind (laughs) of
2: i mean it felt like we were going from scene to scene with no discernible purpose oh shit uh
0: something i wanted to definitely mention um if you're going to have chapters or sections, you can't quit halfway through the film.
2: Yeah, I would like. So I think there's like four. There's four. Maybe?
0: Which the fourth starts like yeah. 35 minutes in. And no <laughs>
2: offense, but here's the other thing, too. If you don't name your chapters, that's yeah. okay. But hold on. If you don't name your chapters, they have to speak for themselves.
1: And there is no way to really demarcate one chapter from another. Yeah. It just seemed it more just... of like a pretense than it did yeah. a – it feels more of like an I affectation feel than like anything meaningful.
2: out those, this movie would have seemed even longer than it was. Oh, yeah. I think Whereas, that's why like, they exist. Right. Just putting them in makes it seem like it's going somewhere right? Yeah. or that we're moving through uh, meaningful sections uh, w- rather than all we're doing really is turning pages.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I think there are definitely problems here. Uh, I thought the pacing got really weird uh, about the last third of the film, I would say. And at the same time, too, um, although I liked the climax of the film, uh, I was left slightly underwhelmed by the, the denouement and final right. moments of the film. Mm-hmm. That I just felt... I know it was supposed to be weird and kind of awkward and bizarre, but at the same time... I feel like a lot of the dialogue, especially from Anya Taylor-Joy, her saying things isn't really earned through the entire film. Yeah. So, um, and that's the problem. Some of what she was saying was good dialogue, Mm. but it didn't really have much behind it. It was just like, I'm really glad that you didn't kill him. So I was able to, for the most part. And it's like, yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I've got mixed feelings on this, but overall, I thought it was a, a pretty solid flick.
1: Yeah, um, I'd have to echo a lot of um, Alex's criticisms about this. When I entered into the theater, when I when I sat down for this, and you know the film started and I was watching it, I was just so turned on. No, I was so off put by Your How? Tonally divergent this was from the trailer and i and i and I don't want to put a passion to it. it was like oh the t- the trailer needs to sell me on like what the film is supposed to be or anything like that well, it's, it's not like, the you know, trailer, it's everything
2: it's the, trailer, everything. It, the poster,
1: it, it, yeah, it feels so
2: The t v spots they were making this out to be yes. a throwback neo-blasted, right. neo blasted right neo neon blasted right uh pastiche of Coming of age stories of yesterday, which I'll bring up a few right. anyway.
1: But yeah, no, 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 that's that's totally the vibe that I got when I was going into it. And then when I started like watching it and I was like, okay, there's all this emphasis on like diegetic sound, there's all these whooshing, like very very dramatic sort of like cinematography as you follow Olivia Cook's character Amanda as she's wandering through this uh this mansion, and then there's sort of like these very this, this very emotionally tense, tonally tense uh, exchange between her and Anna Taylor-Joy's character, and I'm just trying to get my footing and understanding that. Like, in hindsight, looking back on the scenes of, as how how they open, like how it has like Amanda's character looking down a horse, and then you see her putting down a knife, and then it's thoroughbreds. And understanding what the context of that scene was after the fact, like, yeah, it was, like it makes me feel as though – I was almost – compelled to go see it again today before we recorded because i wasn't sure it's like you know maybe i was just i just wasn't ready to be on the level that this film wanted me to be regardless of the marketing and it's like maybe it's it's a better film than I, i i think it is but i sort of just decided to defer to my initial um my initial response and sort of condition it with that i feel like it's perhaps grown a little bit more in light of after having having watched it because it's just like I spent most of the entirety of the the film trying to get a handle on Amanda and um what's her name Lily, Lily. Lily's uh relationship with one another is like what is it that they wanted? like they're they're, they're obviously foils for one another where you have Lily, who in the trailers like she feels everything, and then there's Amanda who feels nothing. And what is it that they, 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 which
2: I didn't even quite get from the movie, right? Like I... that's like when your trailer has to explain things that even the movie can't quite support because I feel like. But
1: the... I did sort of, sort of get that though because she's okay. more of like this girl from an upper class, from a very upper class like a uh, bougie area where she has to keep on like. She has to put on a pretense about herself. She has to tell her friend that yeah. she is doing well in school. Even but does she, she
2: feel everything? Like nothing about her struck me as like uh, manic depressive, or and, and I'm not, I'm not just, trying to I, diagnose. I don't, I, don't, I
1: don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily manic depressive. Right, no, just, no. But I'm it's... throwing
2: out things to illustrate what somebody who looks what they look like when they truly feel everything. Right. She had a few tears. Uh, but she, I don't know, just as a person, she never, she seemed way more sociopathic. So then by the time that, even well, no, but so by the time that it was revealed that, oh, maybe they're more similar than you think it's like, yeah, no, I, I've got that from the very first scene when (laughs) she was awkward about money. Like,
0: yeah, it's just, but do we ever get a firm answer on exactly why she was kicked out of school?
1: Because she uh um, She feels too much, maybe. No, she was no there is a a firm reason why. It's like she uh apparently plagiarized um and then she just got kicked out and she never had an internship to begin with. The whole The way that I understood it, the the relationship between them is that Lily sees in Amanda something that she's never had before, which is someone that she can be totally honest with and that just means just being a total shit person. And knowing that Amanda is just not going to take offense to it. And Amanda, what I think she sees in Lily, is somebody who knows about her disposition of not having any emotions and is somewhat compelled to be her friend even though she lacks necessarily the emotional – the sort of emotional disposition that would usually be typical of facilitating and maintaining said relationship.
0: Yeah. So I have a question for you real quick. I'm curious about what your feelings are about Olivia Cook's or Amanda's character mm-hmm. uh, and her explanation of why she killed her horse. Uh, do you feel like she was actually being genuine? Do you feel like that was total Joker bullshit?
1: I don't think it's total Joker bullshit. I think that why would she kill the horse though? Why would she kill the horse because she knew that the horse was going to die either way, and she felt some sort of empathic connection to she it. Did? Yes, she she felt some kind of empathic connection to it because it had been a horse that she had written and had known for most of her entire life. She had a connection to it, and she felt like, you know, this is just me closing. If if this thing is going to die, I might as well be the one to close the chapter on it.
0: But why would she do that?
1: Because... What I just said
0: That's what a normal person would think.
2: Maybe... Yeah. The most sociopathic people are also the ones
1: with the most empathy. Don't do this. Don't do this. No, that's not. I thought it at
0: least was somewhat ambiguous Mm. whether she was just completely making up that story just to make uh, Lily feel like she just wanted to murder an animal, knew
2: that it was going to die anyway. So, like,
0: hey, well, I can at least murder something that's going to die. But I'll tell people that. I mean, she doesn't uh, – I felt like it was more what I was – the vibe I was getting was more of trying to get Lily to f- not look at her like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. But I think – At any rate, that doesn't necessarily mean I
2: think she that... wants Lily to look at her like a psychopath.
1: No, mm-hmm. I I think that's I, – I, I... I'm not in like a want, like take it on. Amanda does like... not strike me as the type of person for having confided Lily that whole story – Maybe I would have believed that if she had been telling that story to anybody else, but since she's already confided in Lily her own like the truth about about her disposition of her inability to feel emotions, she doesn't strike me as somebody who is duplicitous in that confidence of that that story. It's like that 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 that, that just doesn't. There's there's no other other point in their relationship that would lend me to believe that she is being, like, not forthright. Okay. At least in her her explanation of that. There's nothing else that would would lend me to that. Okay. There's there's one scene that I did sort of – She tells
2: really quick. Yeah. She tells him – or him. She tells Lily that she fake cries about her own – uh, dad's funeral, right? So, exactly. Like, why would she have to lie about her killing a horse? Exactly.
0: I, I'm not saying that she would have to. I'm just saying, uh, it, it comes. Why would she feel compelled to? Is whatever. I mean.
2: Correct.
1: Honestly, that the the truth of that, like if you were gauging the two against one another, the truth of that would hurt Lily probably more, at least on its face, than the confidence of like I just killed a dead horse because I just thought it would be cool to kill a horse. I think I, I think that she's being on the up and up. There's one scene that I really enjoyed, which was the confrontation between Lily and the stepfather. And the stepfather saying, he's like, you know, I'm not going to pay for your stuff anymore. Like, life needs to knock you around a little bit more. And you're so selfish and other shit like that. And then Amanda sort of, like, coming in afterwards and being like... He's right, you know, empathy is not your strong suit. And to have a fucking sociopath tell you that empathy is not your strong suit, like, ooh, that's that's something that didn't hit me when I was in the theater. But then thinking back on it, it's like, man, that's actually kind of – that's kind of biting. I like that. Like, yeah. So.
0: I know Nick liked that scene too.
1: Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that That whole relationship, I guess, is – looking back on it, I think that was really the pull for me for this entire film and it probably would be the reason why I would go back to watch it. Hmm? Otherwise it just there's not a lot there for me. Hmm. I I think that this is a very tonally um mute sort of film that I, I, I can I can never really get on the same vibe as because I just feel like it's not it's either not communicating something well or doesn't have a lot to say. Hmm. So
2: I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I am really not a fan of this movie one way or the other. I um it's a film in which Amanda plays chess with herself with oversized garden chess pieces made yeah, out of stone. Those are lilies. Families. Yes. Chess. That's, that's yeah. true, but Amanda's wait, what was the point of that correction?
1: Sorry. <laughs> I just like with that. It's like she's playing chess or herself it's like, "Hey, but it's not her chess set." It's just there. Well,
2: right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, but that that is a stand-in for action to be done uh, during uh, exposition is, is, is twofold. It's either trying to n- uh, hit home a certain type of visual metaphor, which this movie is in no way capable of doing, or... Or it's just that this movie has nothing to say, so it makes sure that its characters are always in motion, even in the most lampoonish ways uh to distract you from that and I think that seems kind of indicative of that whole thing um What's interesting to me about this movie is that there 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 have been a lot of movies, <laughs> like it can be its own genre in and of itself of disinf- uh disaffected. Teens, if not teens, privileged people deciding that murder is the only way out. Like, just look at... Murder! Well, just look at Woody Allen's entire filmography. Half his film is either about love, or in his case, pedophilia, or about death. And usually in his case, what he calls, or what the audience can surmise as justifiable murder. And I think this movie... If... Is not saying that this is a case of justifiable murder, but is believed that this m- movie is like a murder that was inevitable, which is in no way really supported by the script. In my opinion, they yeah. they're they're talking about. That's the thing we only get Mark as a person really through Lily's eyes, and the, and and through what she says. The, and and there's some there's a way in which that could be art. Artistic, like where you're getting like uh, a, an unfortunately biased perspective on a character and you have to surmise your own uh, feelings and morality based around that. But here it mostly just feels like, cause it had no idea how to write Mark uh, outside of Louie's existence and not in a way that was actually exemplary of her either uh, unempathetic outlook or of just a normal normal human relationship. Because like as well as it can write Amanda and Lily in one scene, it didn't seem to be able to write any other human being interacting with each other well because it just did not seem to understand interpersonal dynamics between two human beings that weren't in some way uh, damaged or disaffected. What, yeah.
0: I, what I liked is the same thing I didn't like about uh, the scenes that involved Mark because I felt like what I didn't like is that we don't really get a real true gauge on, is there a reason why she actually wanted to kill him? Um, However, what I like about that and why I like the climactic scene of this film so much is that I feel like this film is really going for the idea of this day and age of, people not really thinking about their actions. actions.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but... That's a long walk from the couch to the exercise room. It like, is, that... but how... how no, do... I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's not like they're in the kitchen, and she's got a knife because she's cooking, mm-hmm. uh, cutting carrots, and he says something stupid, and then she just stabs him or something. <laughs> and, 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 so and... this is not... I, I guess I, I see what you're saying, but mm-hmm. I, I think this movie fails at conveying that, if that's what it was trying to do. I
0: would I would agree that it could have done a much better job, but I feel like at least... In that scene, and then the a couple scenes leading up to it, I feel like that's what this was going for. Yeah, Um, the the whole murder taking off uh, off screen,
2: taking uh, place off screen, is also a cheat because on paper, all it's trying to do is try to capture that uh, disenfranchised feeling of these actions, where this is just so detached from their worldview and their whatever, that it might as well be happening in another room that Mm. that they they inhabit. But for me, that was just another way that the movie had no idea how to actually confront its characters because this movie is not about Lily. It's it's technically, it's Amanda's story. She's Mm. the one who enters Lily's orbit. And she's the one who... uh, technically ends the movie as far as her monologue is really the last thing we remember, even if Lily might speak directly after that moment. Right. Um, She
1: really has the real last word on this. Right. And
2: so if it's, so I, I spatial (laughs) reasoning aside, I I understand that she stays in the room because she's passed out. So I get that the camera's not following her, but uh, at the end of the day, this is just so. When you were talking about the the movie, trying to think about like or trying to say about how people don't think about their actions and such,
1: but here this here's how entirely I'm, premeditated.
2: Well, here well here's the thing though, is it or isn't it? Because mm-hmm. if the movie made up its mind about that, then I would be either more comfortable arguing for or against that idea. Because this whole scene that plays out on the couch is her saying like them talking, her saying, Oh, like first of all she chose to drug her. Then she chose to tell her that she's drugged. Yeah. Don't then drink that. She the other one ends up drinking it. Then she decides to go with her plan anyway. So that's I feel like three what, different
0: well, pivots. What what I like so much about that specific moment and that specific scene is Lily's fucked up way of Mm -hmm. rationalizing that Amanda is supportive of her murdering her father, which I feel like she's looking for the entire film. And basically her saying, I was going to plant this on you. Um, and I'm not going to do that now. And her drinking that really gives her, why would she
2: do it that moment after do what?
0: Why would she go? Why would she come
2: through a breakthrough? And decide, you know what, I'm not going to go through with the sociopathic plan I
0: have. And simply
2: because Amanda drinks it.
0: Because uh, Amanda drinking it gives her... Permission to, like, sort of... Well, per- permission, I guess, is one way to look at but mm-hmm. it. But it gives her... Like, all she's looking for is Amanda to say, you should do this, for but the But she's most been part. saying, you should do this. No, but she hasn't meant it.
2: Like, I feel like the actions... She only says what she means. She's a sociopath. They already had a plan that
1: was supposed to go into action, and then after that plan sort of, like, floundered sort of the momentum was sort of let out of actually like committing to that act, mm-hmm. even though Lily still harbored an intent to do See, it. See, if that... I was
2: Amanda, I would have drank that because I would have been really fucking bored of that friendship, and I really just would have wanted to sleep
0: for a little while,
2: even if it <laughs> resulted in me going to prison.
0: I think you just hit on the story of the <laughs> film, so that's good. Yeah. No, I... I... I guess I just uh, view that final scene a little bit differently. I, I
2: get but, w- what you're yeah. saying. I'm not saying it's not there. No, it isn't. I'm just saying it's bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, it doesn't quite own, or earn, I should say, that moment by the time we get there. I, so, that's why the drinking of it just feels really limp to me.
0: I feel like the moment in that scene is earned, I feel like everything after it is silliness to me.
2: So, here's the thing about everything after it. Um, with ironic, when I... Watch the trailer for this movie. I was dreading Anton Yelchin in it, who I like a lot in movies. Hmm. But from the trailer, the way it cut him into it, he just looked like he was in a whole other movie. Yeah. But watching the movie, I get the distinct impression that the trailers play up his quirkiness, when in reality, he's not in a whole other movie. He's just the only one living in the real world. Certainly disillusioned about his place in the uh, uh, surrealistic... Uh, Cog that is capitalism that seems like he has
1: problems, and I'm not just saying <laughs> right. like drug problems, but I mean like he this guy's got to pay his 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 car insurance, right? So this guy's this guy's got to keep the lights on, but shit. but he's
0: doing jobs, yeah. He's doing like
1: everything jobs. he
2: says is he's at working. least backed up by an actual earnestness to, uh, you know what he says yeah. and, and what he's trying to do. So ironically, he was like my favorite part of this movie. I, mm. I would have watched a whole movie of him just trying not. To be conned into murdering, but even his big breakthrough, so to speak, is off screen it's a It's a visual light gag in right. which Paul Sparks goes to check it out, and we don't even quite understand what's happening because we don't get to see what he sees because this mm-hmm. movie thinks that tableau images are arty and they can be used sparingly, but this whole set the camera fifty feet back and watch action uh from that far away mm-hmm. in which that person obs- observing action that's already you know 10 to 30 feet back mm-hmm. um, you can only take so many of those shots and make them work right. that cohesively from the way, start to finish the
1: way that he just sort of like disappears from he disappears from the film until the denouement I didn't like that it just it just, just feels like such a useless character think Always
2: about it. this though um, th- here's the thing I think this movie does a lot of things because it's seen smarter movies do them. It doesn't realize that you can't do them all in the same movie Mm. because you have no reason for doing them other than you know that it looked good in one movie or whatnot. Um, And here's a good example for me, at least, of how sporadically uh, just uncomposed and ill-directed this movie is. Uh, The spa weekend, okay, or Mm -hmm. trip... Where Lily goes with her mother as her alibi uh for the weekend that uh, Mark is supposed to be murdered. Mm-hmm. Um why do we get a two no a ten to twenty second
1: uh scene of Mark's
2: dream sequence of Mark in place of the manic or p- pedicurus, whatever. Because that's all that's no, on my no, no, mind. Hold on. One minute before Mark actually shows up. Like, the first disorientation completely deflates the next direct uh, um, action of hmm. being disoriented because uh, technically she looks at him like, what are you doing here? And we, as the audience, we're already technically set up to question everything we're seeing. It, all it, I'm saying it is. Ma-
0: it makes the audience. You're saying it makes the audience question whether him being there is actually real?
2: Yeah, before we're supposed to already understand that it's real. So what I'm trying to say is like, a simple editing choice like that deflates the very purpose of future scenes because it's only concerned with what I think this movie's problem is. This movie is only ever concerned about what it's doing in its moment and Mm. never around them. Mm. And I think that was like one little microcosm of how this movie fails to thread these moments together because if we're already disoriented by the sight of Mark... Uh, and we question the validity of seeing him there, and we know he can't possibly be there. By the time Mark is introduced, I can, I can tell now having seen the entire movie that we're supposed to know, just like Lily, that Mark has arrived. For me at least, I was kind of like, wait, is he actually there? Yeah. Or, And I felt like that was defeating the purpose of being shocked and knowing he was there and going, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say as far as like that's one moment that I think exemplifies a lot of this movie's problems. The other,
0: uh, since this is a first time director, I mean, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the mistakes that are made by people who are making their first full length film uh, were pretty evident. For sure. Um, And and not to say that those mistakes should have been made, but.
2: No, I, I, I I, I can totally see that in the Mm -hmm. um, But he's got a lot of, work to do, because yeah. we can look at first-time debut films from people. The thing is, you shouldn't go... Think about someone like Paul Thomas Anderson, really quick, I know. I'm a fanboy, but think Who's about... that? <laughs> but, like, okay, if he is making, in my opinion, some of the most complex and challenging movies, whatever, look at Hard Eight. Mm-hmm. That is a very simple movie. Mm-hmm. Very, like, there is, you know, like no ambition in its reach and in, in its you know uh setup but it's because as a first-time director i believe you should do something like that where you are simply trying to learn how to be a director mm-hmm. so you don't have to uh fail at uh Your
1: more ambitious ideas yeah
0: i will say i feel like that's a little bit of an unfair example because paul thomas anderson is one of the greatest
1: directors of okay. this generation yeah but even so. even one of the greatest Directors well, of the generation needed to start somewhere and just at, start from okay, a very basic template. Look at template.
2: Garland, and I didn't even really like Annihilation, mm-hmm. but Ex Machina, for all of his complexities in uh, thematic material, mm-hmm. is still a very straightforward piece in which he doesn't push himself outside of his technical marvelry. Um, Set so, in one location. E- hey. e- that's true, though. Like, if The more you can pare down your tools, the more you can... Really focus on using those tools, yeah. including a, a location. When I, and for all intents and purposes, this movie is mostly set in one location yeah. uh, and doesn't really vary it up too much as to like how we really move through this house. I think it thought the whole camera slightly behind the character as they walk through room. Like that was a great prologue, but then mm-hmm. for the movie to repeat that over and over and over, it just kind of diluted
1: that whole. Uh, perspective for me at least the party Uh. um was one scene that i just didn't enjoy at all because like when she's walking because it it, it is guilty of that where it has like the camera just sort of hovering behind her while like the the strobe lights are going off and the trailer song is is playing party and it
2: tells us there is a much cooler room in that house that we are not allowed to go in yeah
1: yeah but 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 no like it's it's and then they're sort of, like, having this conversation, and I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. It's like, oh, man, they murdered the horse and other things. It's like, you knew that person, right? And then it's sort of, like, gels, like, okay, so they're talking about Amanda. But right. I didn't actually hear what the fuck they were saying because it was at a party. And then it goes outside, and we see Abtown Yelch's character, and I'm just like, this is boring. Yeah. This is so – such a waste of a good song.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so earlier I mentioned some of this movie's uh, predecessors and mm-hmm. – For me, at least, this movie wouldn't exist without a movie like Heather's. Oh, yeah.
1: That's totally on the fucking poster. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, And for me, at least, Heather's was made in the late 80s. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. believe so. Um, And somehow that movie is dealing with a detached group of girls deciding that murder is the only way to make the world a better place. Somehow that movie is able to tell the line between still being a dark comedy, but also dealing with the heaviness of those actions and choices, whereas this movie, I feel like the murder is only the last thing that happens besides the denouement, because it has no idea how it would actually grapple with these characters. And I think we see it in the denouement, which is that she's there for a... Uh, an interview, interview for, so for a new school. She got her mojo back just because Mark is dead?
1: Yeah, that's how it works. Somebody has to die so that you can be, you know, rich got again.
2: my mojo. Because it's... I never saw Mark as someone who was actually hurting her in her studies and like...
1: No, she w- he wasn't. He wasn't you hurting know, her. Like, no.
2: And so if you're going to satirize that kind of Awfulness, because I believe some people are like that, like where they blame somebody else for their problems, in which that person, no matter how bad or good, actually has no direct uh, influence on those
0: problems. No, but like with something, and I mean, I know that the structure of this film is much better and uh, much different, but if you look at something like Memento, where you take down your big boss rival, right. um, in real life The futileness of that. That doesn't really do much. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Um and are, really quickly, are we supposed to think that Amanda has basically found the best place for her? Because yeah. it kind of makes it seem like the movie and her character is suggesting that? Like somehow this It's know, not so bad. Right. Because she's allowed to draw, which I, I didn't know she was an artist. Um but somehow she has really good skills. Mm-hmm. Um and because she sociopathic she must love white, like
0: I, you know, I it's just that whole the whole Dana for me was just a mess. I agree. Yeah.
2: But once again I, I did kinda like Anton Yeltsin's appearance in it because I, I loved his kind of sobering reality of like embarrassed of being found out as far not Less firm because he was a coward about the murder, but more because he didn't want to be seen as a valet, I think right. in Lily's world. Like see that's where I mean. Like I feel like there's so much unspoken complexity to this one character that showed up for maybe ten minutes total. Like
1: a, a layer of a commentary yeah. on classism and, and
2: stuff it's just like hidden behind the kind of quirkiness that the trailer uh just wanted to
0: play up for uh silliness. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So we wanna go to Final Radiance? Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. So, I was for the most part a fan of this film. Uh as we've discussed, uh somewhat at length, this film has quite a few flaws. But overall, um I thought I enjoyed my time in the theater watching this and uh, did enjoy the climactic scene and lead up to that uh which, you know, somewhat saves uh the last 25 to 30 minutes of this film. Uh, I still do think the first 30 to 35 minutes of this were actually really good. I thought there was a lot of really strong dark humor early on, uh, a lot of great one-liners slash sarcastic lines that uh, just really landed for me um, that I thought they were actually quite brilliant. So, and um, again, I, I thought the performances by both lead actresses were actually pretty good. So I give this three out of five, um, and I feel like that there probably could have been more here. But, um Yeah. Thoroughbreds was just a good film for me that um could have been a lot better.
1: So I f- forgot to mention this and this actually leads into my um my final rating. When I was watching the film uh right before um someone started vaping in front of you. No, 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 no. It was I think it was right right after um the the chapter 1 uh title card just like smashes onto the onto the screen. Mm-hmm. There was like a a group of at least like five six teenagers who were seated in the upper rows of this film who just left like <laughs> a conga line out of the theater. Right? And I and you know I I couldn't really blame them because yeah. like if you had watched that trailer and you thought oh man this would be pretty dope and you like nope this isn't really what you thought it was gonna be. There um, are
2: movies where I've been in the theater where people have walked out. And in my head, I get all fucking pretentious. Right. Like, oh, you motherfuckers. But you're like, yeah. You're going to sit for the tree of life if you have to. Like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And yet, like, for thoroughbreds, if that happened in my theater, I'd be like, Godspeed. <laughs> Not because it's that bad. Yeah. But because I can understand why Anybody. something can just be just yeah. lifeless and sitting there. You're right. Yeah. But anyway.
1: Yeah. That's pretty much what my takeaway from this film is. It's sort of like lifeless. It's sitting there. It's very pretty. It is very. It's it's just it's,
2: like it's two leaves, ugh. lifeless, sitting there, and very pretty. Jesus ah. Christ! I'm a pedophile.
1: Oh no, my lord! Um, <laughs> two and what a, I wanted to say. No, two and a half stars. Uh, two and a half out of five for me. Um, I thought that this film. Man, I really wanted this film to be more than what it was, yes. and I feel like there are the pieces of of it to be something like that that are here. But they're just not arranged in a way of which it actually befits any sort of sort of deeper meaning or, or 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 message behind it. It just it's just there. So yeah,
2: yeah. I'm with you. I give it two and a half out of five. I, I really don't hate this movie, but no. I it just cannot uh, rise above that median level in which I thought that it did anything with what it has because I I think this cast could be in a great movie. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And I think this premise is certainly ripe for uh, exploration. But I, I just don't think the movie ever really did that. And um, just in reference to all the things that it might have been trying to go for, whether it's satirizing the privileged or t- turning the coming-of-age story on its head, even if we've already seen all of that before, you know, I still felt like that it could have, offered something new, it just chose not to at so many turns, or just failed to and thought it was, Uh, and so ultimately, that's kind of the biggest disappointment. Um, By the time we get to the murder, there's just so much before that point where I was just like, God, you know, just stop horsing around and get to (laughs) (laughs) it. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, uh, two and a half out of five for me. I'm with you, too, I think,
0: even you, Alex, where I just wish this was better. Yep. Yeah. I think all of us feel the exact same way.
1: Could we wait for this to come out on video if we were making a recommendation for it? It's just like it's just like if you could just oh yeah you yeah. Ca- yeah just catch it on streaming. It's
0: this seems ripe to be on no. some kind of streaming service at
1: some point. So. Yeah, absolutely. Probably be a Netflix original by the time that this goes up. <laughs> eh, I don't think so. I think no, it's they past don't do, that.
2: I was going to say, if it's in the theater as its own, then it can't be.
1: Oh, yeah. um, so I was just making a, a joke about uh, Netflix the, subpar the curation emails, skills. You no, know,
2: Netflix
0: stuff is worse than this. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very much true. That's yeah, true. Most of it's pretty awful. The email we got uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, that we discussed from our listener friend... Yeah, who, Gina. Um, ...who talked about Thoroughbreds. Do you remember what her take on it was? I know she liked
2: it. Okay. I know a couple of facts about her and how she saw it. So mm-hmm. one, I believe, at least, and Gina, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, A, she got to see it with nothing, like no trailers, no, because she saw it at a film festival before it got That's in. the best, really. So... I could totally see where if I saw this without trailers, I I would have been in a different mindset from the moment that I sat down to watch it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I would have come up to a radically different conclusion, but there's still something to be said for that experience. I'm sure half the movies I loved as Sundance are actually not that good or mediocre, but you know, I was sitting there and I
0: was having a great time. Well, there's something too to be said about seeing a film in a full theater, yep. crowded theater of people who want to see movies, yeah. uh, and then. Depending on what kind of festival it is, you know, having maybe somebody from the film afterwards, and even if there's not, people are spending more time talking about the film they just saw.
1: I want to say it to your face that this film sucked. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, And the other thing I know about Gina is that she has an affinity for sociopath and serial killers, Oh. so I do feel like this would have been right up her alley, so I, I could definitely see if that's the only thing you're going for. Which I'm about
0: to say, that's the I mean, way that's what
2: she was, but uh, it certainly has that. Okay.
0: But. Right on. So, you out there uh, in podcasting <laughs> world, if you have any thoughts on Thoroughbreds, always feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at com, or look for us and maybe find us someday on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at filmtankshow.
1: You'll find us someday. Yeah.
0: So, uh,. I don't think we have done a film by the next director that we're going to do. We have. We have. Oh, no, we haven't. I was going to say, I don't think we have. I was thinking of the other director. Okay. (laughs) The other director. Well, we're
2: doing two, right? No. What are we doing?
0: One. Uh, Just say what the film is.
2: I thought we were doing a double episode. Like we sometimes do. Never Mm -hmm. mind.
0: No. So, at any rate... So, no, the director we're going to be uh, talking about, this director's new film, is Wes Anderson and his new animated film, Isle of Dogs. Uh, Wes Anderson, one of Nick's favorite directors, because he's got a thing for people who are named Anderson. I do. And uh, a lot of really strong films put out by Wes Anderson, probably his... yeah, I know. Uh, his last film was probably his most just commercially acceptable slash successful with The Grand Budapest Hotel. That was
2: a huge hit. I got to say, there were people that, I no offense to them, but I never would have thought in a Who wouldn't a have given years, a fuck
1: about a Wes Anderson film, right, but otherwise But asked me film. if I
2: saw that hotel movie. And I'm like, The Grand Budapest? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I saw it. Did you like it? And they're like, yeah, it was hilarious. Like, yeah. he really tapped into something where he gave – not the most mainstream version of himself cuz mm-hmm. it's not
0: but it's still him
2: the most purely joyful distillation of what he does
0: best that was crowd
2: pleasing would yeah. be a way oh, to yeah. put it yeah without compromise though
0: yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah but his other films and some of them have been more... amazing and some of them have been masterpieces there's two camps well <laughs> I was gonna say before uh, we came, and I feel like his earlier films, like Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore, were actually more digestible than some of his more recent films, like The Life Aquatic, he started Moonrise to go
2: Kingdom, inward uh, as mm-hmm. far as indulgence and whatnot.
0: Yeah. So, but this is not the first animated film because he put out the film Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I still haven't seen. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. It's not high up on my Wes Anderson list. It gets better uh, every
2: time I watch it. Yeah, I've I only mean, seen I guess I once. say that about a lot of <laughs> Wes Anderson movies. You... But yeah, uh, I-, I can be the first one to say a movie doesn't necessarily grow. Like uh, Moonrise Kingdom is one of his most celebrated, and it's not one of my most beloved. Uh-huh. but anyway, but Fantastic Mr. Fox is. I will say it again, but it's quote unquote phenomenal. Wrote. Hey,
0: hey. So listen it's- there fun yeah Yeah. Yeah. i actually really like moonrise kingdom i mean i I really like them all but i think it's quite good i think the the tone and just the look of it well i think that's the thing is that his last two films i feel like have really hit uh on production design not that his other films haven't no but but i feel like it's been that much better in his last two live action films so yeah So we'll see what Isle of Dogs is because uh, I'm expecting it to be good and enjoyable. But at the same time, uh, you really never know what you're going to get with Wes Anderson, really. Although, I mean, he's going to deliver a very similar feel. But as you say, you actually it's it's a weird catch 22. On the
2: one
1: hand, you know exactly what you're going to get. But but... then you don't really know how he's going to do it this time. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we will look forward to talking about that on our next episode. So thank you very much to everybody who uh, gave us a listen, including Nick. Uh, I thought you were thanking the hosts. No, we don't thank the hosts. We thank the listeners. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Maybe we should change that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the one who's showing up every week.
1: Okay. Damn, son. Making it seem
0: like you're doing everybody a service by being here. Hey, you said
1: it. Should be honored by my greatness.
0: (laughs) Yes, from Tucson, Egan, the great one, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Diekman. How he just bowed to us—that was something. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. You're a film tank. We'll catch up with you next time.